Hello and welcome to Times Tall Tales. Today I will be taking you through the wonderful Pied Piper of Hamelin with the wonderful Jordan. So, well today the Pied Piper may seem like a fairly harmless tale told to scare children and warn them against stranger danger. The true story behind the rhyme is actually one of the most mysterious events in German history. Wait a second. Yeah? The Pied Piper is about stranger danger. Um, that's I just how... thought it was about a guy leading rats out. <laughs> it, you know, it's kind of is like getting paid. <laughs> it's kind of been turned into today. I think the modern version. I'll, I'll explain to you what the modern version is, but I think it it can kind of be inferred as a you know, don't take candy grafting. from strangers. I just thought about grafting. I thought it was like. <laughs> Do your work, get paid, and make sure you get paid. <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> it depends on what. But yeah, no, no. It is also about the get paid before you do the job, or at least make sure there's some sort of contract in in place. But you know, in in twelve eighty four, there's a there's not a lot of contractual obli- obligation going around at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I feel so, stupid now. <laughs> so, no, 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 you're, you're not wrong. You're not right. I mean, everyone has their own interpretation of folklore and fairy tales. That's that's part of why they're so popular. Because you yeah, can think... grafting. It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it comes to you, Jordan, I'm not surprised. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so... I'll tell you the story and then you can make up your own mind uh, which, which version you believe. So, 1284 in the town of Hamlin in Lower Saxony, Ger- Lower Saxony, Germany. This town was facing a rat infestation. So, rats are there, I promise. And a piper Good. dressed in a coat of many colours, a bit like Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat, I like to imagine. <laughs> or oh, Dolly Parton. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine Dolly Parton leading rats? Okay, I'll stop that image. I'll stop that image. Right, back to the story. The Pied Piper appeared. This piper promised to get rid of rats in return for a payment, to which the townspeople agreed. Although the piper got rid of the rats by leading them away with his music, the people of Hamland, the people of Hamland, basically stitched him over. They didn't give him any of his payment. The furious piper left, vowing revenge. On the 26th of July, the same year, I don't know why the date is so specific, it just is, <laughs> the piper returned and led the children away, never to be seen again, just as he did with the rats. Nevertheless, one or three children were left behind, depending on which version is being told. One of the children was lame and could not keep up. The other was deaf and could not hear the music. While the third one was blind and could not see where he was going. So, how do we actually know about this story then? Well, the earliest sign we have of this is from 1300 AD. In a stained glass window created for the Church of Hamlin. Unfortunately, it was destroyed in 1660. However, 
there are several written accounts that have survived. The oldest is um, the Lunenburg Manuscript, which was made from 1440 to 1450. This is a direct quote here. In the year of 1284, on the day of St. John's and Paul on June 26, by a piper clothed in many kinds of colours, 130 children born in Hamlin were seduced and lost at the place of execution near the Coppen. So that's where we get the very specific date from. What I quite like is, um, this is a little bit of a side note here, the supposed street where the children were last seen is today called a very long German word that I won't try to pronounce. I'm embarrassed myself. Do it. Do it. I need to hear it. Do it. Bunlossenstrasse. Bunlossenstrasse. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that. If I'm wrong, I apologise to everyone listening. The English translation translation means street without drums now it's called this because no one is allowed to play music or dance there that is genuine rule you are not allowed to play music or dance on this street is it like the one in london where you can't carry a salmon suspiciously (laughs) yes you can't carry salmon in suspicious circumstances so to to comment on your your comment of rats um, rats are actually absent from the earlier accounts and they were added to the story around the mid 16th century basically to give a a basis for the story because originally the piper is brought in to lure disease I'm saying that in air quotes um, which you can't see because this is a podcast Uh, (laughs) but the rats were brought in so this goes from a, a tale of a, a child murderer, essentially, or a child kidnapper, to a tale of a, a cautionary tale about either grafting or um, <laughs> stranger danger. It's a very drastic transition. It's adaptable. It? It's adaptable. You know, it can be whatever you want. Who'd know rats would make that much difference? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, like I said, the rats weren't actually present in um, the stained glass window or the earlier written accounts. But because plague is so often associated with rats, I I personally think they just came up with it to make an easier version of the story. There are some other theories, however... The first one is that the children all died of natural causes and the Pied Piper is the personification of death. He, he's used as a, as a symbol of death, like the rats are a symbol of plague. It's assumed, because rats are associated with the plague, that they died of it. However, there is a small problem with this theory. The plague was worst in Europe in 1348 to 1350, more than half a century after the event in Hamlin. So the, the times just don't line up. Another theory is the parents sent the kids away due to extreme poverty. They just genuinely could not look after their children anymore. So they it's sent them like, all away to go. It's like child slavery, like the Saxons 
tell your kids with a bit of mama? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's two ways you can look at it. You can go for the dark view, which is child slavery, or you can go for <laughs> the World War evacuation kind of scene, sort of, you know, sending your kids away to be... No, they were probably enslaved. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, another part actually very closely linked to that theory is the children were part of the doom- doomed Children's Crusade as it was dubbed so there um there was a big movement of people who left germany um it again has a fancy name that i'm not going to try and pronounce um but a bunch of germans left their homes to go and colonize eastern europe and it's assumed that a lot of children were taken with them because obviously you take the kids because they grow up to be the adults eventually um, but a big part of this was doomed unfortunately lots of them didn't make it and uh, it's theorised a lot of them ended up in modern day Romania don't know where the basis of that has come from but that's that's a theory that's been spinned the vampires or, yeah they all turned into vampires um the darkest theory, I guess, then, is the Pied Piper was actually a paedophile who crept into the town to abduct the children during their sleep. Um, so, yeah, it's okay. it's the darkest of the theories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I guess sure then what we it, have but, to... Uh, <laughs> it, it took to a turn, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess to... The question we really need to ask is, what is the reality? So, historical records suggest that this was a real event. However, like all tales throughout history, it's evolved and changed, and to what extent is unknown, of course, as it is with every other story that you can think of that, you know, isn't literally written in stone. And even then, someone's had to write that story that's someone's perspective and this is the this is the grand philosophical question can we ever truly trust historical tales because we have no idea in some cases who's written them why they've written them or you know if there's any basis for it whatsoever i mean this could all be a bunch of baloney you know this could just be some very drunk man in a tavern in the 1300s going, oh, I'll make a nice little stained glass window and we'll make up you know, a fun story. What, be, um, what I find very interesting is if we're talking about it was put in a stained glass in the 1300s, then that must suggest that the tale was actually already well established before the 1300s. Because it was probably transmitted through oral transmission before that. So, supposedly it took place in 1284. So, that means maybe from the 1200s, the mid-1200s. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible. I mean, again, with with the stained glass window being 16 years after... The supposed date. I mean, is is sixteen years really long enough to embed a story so strong that you put it in the window of a church? 
Yeah, it doesn't really. I don't think it would be, would it? Yeah, so it's, maybe it's... this date isn't an actual historical date, but more like a um, an ish <laughs> is the best way I can put it. It's it's a guess. It's a guess, but an then estimate, yeah. But then you have the Lindenberg manuscript, which very specifically says twelve eighty four, June twenty sixth, which oh yeah, but like yeah. Herodotus says that there was. Um, giant gold-eating ants and like yeah (laughs) that didn't happen so no that's very true that's very true but you know it's to me this is a very strong hint at how little really really I can't speak today how little really we can trust even stuff that has evidence, you know, because there's there's manuscripts written about this, but why should we trust it? Um, you know, we can't, we can never prove it. Well, the history is often, it often taints things, doesn't it, with uh, the people who wrote its agenda, with um, the context of the time, the laws of the time, and... Um, the social attitudes to our different groups at the time. Um, mm. the other factors like disease, poverty. There's loads of things that could affect um, how, how things are written, how things are portrayed in history. And obviously that will have effect. And obviously that's our job as historians to sift through those um those blurrings to the actual facts to find the truth Mm. so one one very nice example of um alternative versions of people adapting this story in particular particularly the pied piper um brothers grim cite pied piper day as june 26th 1284 however the poem written by Robert Browning given of uh, Pied Piper Day cites July 22nd 1376 so someone's lying yeah so it it just goes to show how how easily uh, a story can be manipulated and when it comes to things like folklore really you don't need evidence because if you think about it, if you tell enough people, they're going to tell, you know, if you tell 10 people and those 10 people tell another 10 people and, you know, you get that massive tree graph that everybody loves, that is a lot of people that are informed of your myth. And it's not just Very that. It's even if you tell it as a myth, even if you say, oh, this is a story I made up, all it takes is for one person to leave that small detail out that this is made up, for it to be established as fact. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much in in modern media nowadays we can we can compare as you know having no basis, but we shan't get into politicals. Let's we talk about what modern representations of the Pied Piper. I feel like that'd be an interesting note. Um, oh. I'm okay. going to talk about one that I remember 
um, one of my favourite ones, um, Sarah Jane Adventures. <laughs> the episode of Sarah Jane Adventures where the Pied Piper is an alien that fell to Earth from a meteor. It's a great episode. Okay. It's, it's a modern take on the folklore. It's putting the modern science fiction genre into an old folktale from Germany. So I found a very interesting article um, actually comparing social media to the Pied Piper. Um, it's a very interesting article by uh, a person called San Jenna Ray, which is called uh, Why is Social Media the Modern Day Pied Piper? And they talk a lot about how I particularly enjoy this line. Um, Social media is like the modern day version of the Pied Piper of Hamelin, weaving its hypnotic tunes on us and entrapping our very souls. We live in an age where we eat, breathe and sleep social media. And if you think about it, it is. It's, It's hypnotic and so was the tune of the Pied Piper, albeit, you know, we aren't disappearing off into random parts of Romania every day but there's a very similar warning to be why taken is Sarah, why is this Sarah exposing me it's <laughs> like I mean <laughs> she, she didn't need to, she didn't need to do that she, uh, you're probably right though <laughs> she's probably right um, I, I think that is a very interesting point because if you think about it Humans do have a tendency to go with the crowd, don't they? So maybe it's a, a cautionary tale about going with the crowd. I, I don't think anyone's yeah. ever thought of that interpretation. Um, or a... I might just be <laughs> think, uh, catching something really obvious. I don't know, but so maybe you it's can a cautionary tale about being the sheep. Yeah, I mean it is. It is, there is a term, you you call someone a Pied Piper, which for some reason means the opposite, is a, is a person who, oh no, I've got this wrong. So you, you have your sheep and you have your shepherds in life, you have followers and leaders, and the Pied Piper is someone who induces others to follow or imitate him or her. I mean, it's, you know, Instagram influencers and people like, they are... They are modern Pied Pipers, aren't they? If you think about it. And the most, the very, like, the most interesting part about that is the fact that the people who follow are, um, they're in a trance. They're, um, they're in ignorance of what's actually happening to them. Um, I mean, you could compare it to Trump, but you know, <laughs> we'll not get into politics except for the fact that. Um, you know, they blindly follow him, but... <laughs> so I guess that on the other end, then, there were those that didn't follow, those those three children that didn't follow. One was lame and couldn't keep up, one was deaf and couldn't hear, and the third was blind. It's, it's hear no evil, 
see no evil and not quite speak no evil, but follow no evil. We'll change no the saying. Yeah, we'll change the saying. <laughs> see no evil, hear no evil, don't follow the evil. Um, but you know, it's quite interesting to see the, the modern reflections. And there is, you know, it has all elements of the stories, doesn't it? The sheep, the shepherds, and the three weird monkeys that don't it's, look he or see for some reason. <laughs> it's, it's one of those tales that can be taken however the reader wants to take it. It can be like me, and you can take it about grafting and <laughs> getting paid, or you could take it as a thing of um, disease, or you could take it as a thing about following the crowd. Or again, you could take it as... Um, signifying historical events it's, it all depends on how the reader wants to take it yeah and that can be applied to everything and that is the the wonders of folklore it is how you view it and you can view it completely different to the next person and that's what makes them personally I find that's what makes them so interesting because you know I didn't necessarily think about the the shepherd and the sheep theory until you raised it so you know this is a this is a huge part of why folklore is so important because people can talk about it and see the different perspectives and ultimately they're you know everyone is entitled to their own opinion and we need to listen because sometimes people will tell you some gems that you've never heard before and on that wonderfully philosophical note, thank you very much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and goodbye. <laughs>